Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Uh, These questions started rolling around in my mind, my thinking. First of all is the question, where are you? You. That's a question you need to ask yourself because if you don't know where you are, it's hard to get to where you're going. You don't know where you're at now. It's hard to know, or it's not hard to know how to get to where you're going. Of course, in this modern day, all you got to do is go to the airport and say, I want to go here. But let's just think if you didn't have any of those conveniences and you wanted to go somewhere, didn't have any GPS, you would need to know where you're at so you would need to know, so you could know how to get to where you're going. The second question that came to my mind was, where is God? Some people would say, well, he's up in heaven. The other question is, is where is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom of God? And so uh, that's, that's the thought. If you ever see me in church and I'm on my phone, I'm not uh, on Facebook. <laughs> I am usually getting downloads uh, from the Spirit and I'm, and I'm uh, writing them down. And so I got this last week. I always like it when God gives me something ahead of time so I don't have to sweat it out all week to figure out what I'm going to (laughs) say. But anyway, so title of the sermon, Car 54, Where Are You? Or Where Are You? You are Car 54. You're Car 54. And one, uh, I, am, I had some thoughts. The problem with getting a, ser- a message ahead of time is you think of a lot more stuff to write down. But anyway, God is a family. He has a kingdom, and he has a work that he wants all of his people involved in. There are no spectators. God doesn't have an NFL where... Uh, you know, two teams of 12 are out on the field and, and the rest of the 70,000, 80,000 are sitting up in the stands. The, the people out on the field need desperately need a rest and the people in the stands desperately need exercise. So God is not creating a, a, a kingdom where there's a lot of spectators. He's also, uh, we know that he is creating a family. You know, there's one religion that says God has no son, God has no wife, God has, he doesn't have any of that. But let me tell you this, the God who created heaven and earth and can do anything, he can have anything he wants. And he says he has a son. The scripture says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It also says in Colossians, it says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You are a part of that family. 
And if you ever realize, if you ever look at a lot of Middle Eastern cultures, when the father starts a business, he gets his family involved in the business. You are a part, you are called not to be in, the, you know, there are the active army and then there's the reserve army. A lot of us think we're in the reserve army. The reserve army, you know, lives the normal natural life until they're called upon to go into action. I remember hearing a story, this is a true story, of someone that joined the military because they wanted the GI benefits, they wanted the military and the, co- and the government to pay for their college. And you can get that. The only problem is a war broke out. And the person said, well, I didn't sign up for this. Too bad, baby. They own you. They own you. Well, let me, I got a news for you. God owns you. You're washed in the blood and you're purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a kingdom. And Jesus, Jesus brought this kingdom to the forefront when his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John's disciples, as John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said, our father, family, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a kingdom that's not future. There is a kingdom that is now that you and I are to participate in. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm just a low, I'm just a lowly old person. You know, this, that's not for me. That's, you know, that's for John Hagee. That's for... You know, whoever, uh, Stephen Furtick, that's for all those guys on TV, but it's not for me. God doesn't see it that way. God doesn't have a pyramid to where, you know, we've got these people at the top and then there's the, then there's the people on the bottom. No, in the reality, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is there, but the rest of us are on the same level. Turn to somebody and say, welcome to the level. You, and you are on the level I am, and I am on the level you are. Now, we have different responsibilities on the level, but we're still on the same level. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I told a joke a while back, and I, and I just felt in my spirit, maybe I shouldn't have said that, because <laughs> I had some ladies looking at me like, you know, gave me, but then somebody emailed me and said that was a phrase in that joke that really blessed me. Really, God spoke to me. So I said, okay, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just thought of a joke, but then I just forgot it. So it must not be God. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are all on the same level. You are no, you are not a person that does not have value. God sees you as having value and you're just as valuable as anybody else. I don't care, I don't care of the notoriety that other people have. In God's eyes, you have the same worth as any other person in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, God calls you saints, he didn't call you saints fans. He calls you saints. I'd clarify that. 
He calls you saints. You are sanctified. You are set apart. What? For God, for holiness. You are set apart for God's work. God did that, not you. You're not working to become a saint. God made you a saint because of what Jesus did. Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, starting there. Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, or, or truly, assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not one uh, risen greater than John the Baptist. Puts him on a pretty high level, doesn't it? But let's read the next portion. It says, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So if you think you're least in the kingdom of heaven, you're greater than John the Baptist. Whoa, how about that? Woo! So if John had a work in the kingdom, he is less than you, and you have a work in the kingdom also. God sees you with value and purpose. Sees you with value and purpose. But see, I have to tell you this because if you don't know where you're at, you cannot know how to get to where you're going. If you have an attitude that, I'm, am, that I am the least, that I'm no good, that I'm incapable, that I'm not anointed, the Bible says you're anointed. Everybody in the body of Christ is anointed. What's that mean? The Holy Spirit has come upon you for a work of God. It's different for each one of us, but it's just as important. It's just as important. So, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And in the days of John the Baptist, uh, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, it's not going to fall in your lap. You remember, uh, how many of you enjoyed um, uh, Desiree Fox last week? Apostle Desiree Fox. Did you enjoy that? Did you notice that she took things into her own hands? She decided that she wasn't going to let her husband... God said, go to the hospital. Be with your husband. The enemy was trying to take him out. Let me tell you this. We have authority in the kingdom if we, if we don't use it. Don't be blaming God. God, why would you allow this to happen? Thank you, Jesus. He says, he goes, so the violent take it by force. That doesn't mean you have to be angry with everybody. For the violent to take it by force, we have to operate in love towards each other. We have to operate in love towards those who hate us. But in the spirit world, we can operate in violence. You will not take my children. You will not keep me in poverty. You will not keep me down because I serve a God that is alive. 
Where are you? Where are you? Well, I'm just least in the kingdom of heaven. Well, you're greater than John the Baptist. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I didn't know you were that important. You're important. You're important because God has placed a value on you. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 8. He says, for by grace, by grace, by God, some people say God's unmerited favor. But it's really divine equipment, divine empowerment. Well, even you get that same thing even with uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's, the reality is, it's what God has provided for you that you didn't work for, and he's placed within your life, and he didn't call you to be unanointed. Thank you, Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Well, pastor, we don't believe in works around here. Well, God sure does. You're not working to impress God. You're just working with God. He's given you, he has given you. You say, well, you know, uh, this Christianity is boring. That's because you're not doing what he has created for you to do. If you would do what God created you to do, life would be exciting. I just don't understand why I don't have any joy. It's because you're not hearing what he says and doing what he says, because when you hear and do, then the joy starts to rise up within your heart. You know, the, to tell you the truth, Preaching was the last thing on my list that I ever wanted to do. I tried to talk God out of it. You can't argue with God. He's going to get his way. If he doesn't get his way, you're in trouble. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. So if you're in an argument with God and you win, you're in trouble. He says, you're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk therein. You are God's masterpiece. You are his crown creation. He created the whole earth and everything in it, and after he had done all of that, he created you. He created man. Then after he created man, he said it's not good. That man should be alone. We won't delve into that anymore. But, so you're God's masterpiece. You are created to, you, listen to this, you are created to manifest or to show God in the earth. That's your assignment. I don't know what to do. You are to manifest God in the earth. How do I do that? Well, let me just say this. You are blessed to be a blessing. So you have to learn how to receive blessing so that you can 
give blessing to others. Some people say, well, I don't believe in that uh, prosperity message. Let me just say this. If all you're believing for is enough for you, that sounds selfish to me. You're not just believing for you. You are believing for God to give you in a full and abundant supply so that you will have enough to bless others. If all you're doing is believing for yourself, you're selfish. Just a thought. Thank you, Jesus. Well, where are you? One thing, you're not supposed to be in hiding. The scripture says that in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. Therefore, you are not to be in hiding. Why would we hide? We hide because of fear. We hide because of fear. And in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. If we have peace with God, don't worry about whether, you, whether people are at peace with you. That's why Jesus said you could bless those who curse you. Why? Because you're not focusing on the curse of the other. You're focusing on the blessing and peace you are receiving from God that it overflows to the person that is cursing you. Do you realize that the person that is cursing you is hurting and needs what you have? Well, I don't got nothing. Come on, man, where are you? Where are you? Thank you, Jesus. No fear, no hiding. The body of Christ needs you and the world needs you. You know that they are withering. They are, they are, they are withering without you and they are waiting. Do you know that people are waiting on you? People are waiting. You say, well, if I don't do it, if I don't do it, it's golf send somebody else. I'm not so sure. People are waiting on you. You have your Bibles? He says, uh, where did it go? People are waiting on you. There is, a, well, I'll have to get to it later. Where are you? Are you in hibernation? Are you asleep? Ephesians 5.14 says this, Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Somebody says, well, that's for unbelievers. No, this book was written to believers. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, Christ shall give you light. An Old Testament scripture, uh, Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You're not in the dark. Where are you? Now I'm actually going to answer that question. Where are you? Colossians 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ. First place, you are risen with Christ. Well, I didn't even know I was dead. 
Scripture says we are dead in trespasses and sin until we receive Christ. When we receive Christ, we are raised with Christ. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. If you're with Christ and Christ is seated at the right hand of God, where are you? Come on, this isn't a trick question. Where are you? You're in Christ. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Where are you? You're at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. I've mentioned this a number of times. I must, have, I must need, uh, what do they call that, inner healing. But you remember when they picked teams in grade school? And they got to the end. And they say, well, you got to take, no, we don't want him, you take him. That's the way a lot of Christians feel. They feel like they're not worthy to be picked. Well, God says, I got a seat for you and it's right next to me. It's right next to me. You're not one of those that God said, well, I guess I got to take him. He prayed the sinner's prayer, so I got to take him. No, you, you were, the Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth so that you would be saved. You were in the heart of God before the world even began. Thank you, Jesus. Where are you? If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where are you? You are hidden with Christ in God. I saw an illustration, which I'm not gonna, I can't do right now because I don't have the props, but we had a quarter. The quarter is you. We stick the quarter, you, in the envelope. Now you're in Christ. And we stick the envelope inside a manila folder. Now you're in God. How's the devil going to get to you? Oh, the devil's been at... <laughs> you have to listen to this. There was a testimony one time. The lady got up and said, oh, pray for me. The devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. <laughs> you know, when we, start, when we start giving the devil more credit, we are actually, he likes, he likes it. He likes when you're so focused on him. The reality is if you start focusing on the Lord, you start focusing on the Lord. Yeah. I laughed at him one time. I, you know, I kept getting this grip of fear. I felt like a claw in my, the back of my neck. Rob, do you remember that uh, in that yellow house we used, we used to live in, Charity? Remember the stairs going upstairs? Well, at night, the kids would go to, kids and Melody would go to bed, and I'd, and I would uh, be downstairs praying, and so I'd turn out the lights. And when I'd start to go up those stairs, I felt like a claw grip on the back of my neck, and I like fear. 
hit me. But if I'd turn on the light at the top of the stairs, that fear would go away. But am I going to let that fear control me? So for a year, every time that happened, that claw, and in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that. In Jesus' name, devil, you get out of here. God's not giving me a spirit of fear. And I remember the last time it happened, the Lord spoke to me, and I start to go up the stairs, and I felt that, and the Lord said, laugh. That's all I got was laugh. Well, I didn't feel like laughing. So I just go, ha, 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 ha. The devil, the devil spoke to me. Didn't want an audible voice. You know, just inward thought. What are you laughing at? I said, I'm laughing at you. And he left and never came back for that. Never came back. Why? Because he's got a messianic complex. He wants to be God. And when you laugh at him, it just, it just takes it all away. Thank you, Lord. Where are you? You're in Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So with all of that, with all of that, how should this affect your prayer life? If the violent take it by force, if you're a saint, if you're seated at the right hand of God, if you're in Christ, your life is hidden with Christ in God, how should this affect your prayer life? Well, do you have your Bibles? You can turn to uh, 1 John 5. 1 John 5. Thank you, Jesus. It's a favorite scripture of mine. 1 John 5. And we'll begin in verse 13. It says, These things I write unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Do we have anybody here that believe in the name of the Son of God? You believe in the name of Jesus? He says that you may know that you have eternal life. How many of you know you have eternal life? If you believe in the name of the Son of God, you should know you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Sounds like a prayer to me, doesn't it? If you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. So how should that affect our prayer life? Should we go to God in an attitude of, uh, of uh, when I mean humility, uh, I don't mean the right humility, I mean uh, groveling before God. No, God didn't tell us to grovel before him. He says in Ephesians, or not Ephesians, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Also in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, he says, 
that we, that we may boldly say the Lord is our helper, we will not fear what can men do unto us. What can men do unto us? Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, quickened means to make alive, has quickened us together, for by grace are you saved, and has raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you the question, where are you? Are you on barely get along street right next to Grumble Alley? <laughs> are you on barely get along street right next to Grumble Alley or are you seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? You may feel like you're on barely get along street. You might feel like you want to, uh, like you want to get on the Grumble Alley, but you are not to act that way. You are to realize by faith that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. How should that affect your prayer life? Ephesians three sixteen that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Uh, to me, that sounds like that it's going to enable us to have power in prayer. How should that affect our interaction with other people? How should that affect our interaction with other people? Are we to withdraw in shame? No, we should be bold, not arrogant. There's a difference between arrogance and bold. We should be bold, but not arrogant. We should, we should be bold enough to love. We should be bold enough to speak blessing. We should be bold enough to speak favor into other people's lives. If you can't do it, then start speaking favor over yourself. Because you cannot give away what you don't have yourself. You already have it, but you have got to exercise your faith in that area. He says in... Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, for, uh, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. How many believe God is? Do you believe he wants to reward you? Then, you know, it's not enough just to mentally ascend to the thought, well, God wants to reward me. No, we've got to act like God wants to reward us. John Wesley said, people are going to miss heaven by 12 inches. When I heard, first heard that, I saw people on their hands and knees just scratching, and right before, 12 inches before they get there, the doors close. But missing heaven by 12 inches is from here to here. We mentally ascend to the thing where we, we, we acknowledge it, we, confess, we, we agree with it in our minds, but it's not in our hearts where we will act like it's true. We act like it's true. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, nothing ever goes right for me. 
No, we're more than conquerors. Let me tell you this. You will experience failure. But you'll not stay there because God is the God of triumph. He will lead you into triumph. How's he going to lead it? Why would he lead you somewhere you're already at? If you're already there, why would he lead you there? If, if, you're in a, if you are in a life struggle, which all of us have, then we, by faith, realize that he's going to lead us to triumph. He's going to lead us from glory to glory. He's going to lead us from faith to faith. We've got to act like it. Where's God? Anybody, anybody ever asked that question? God, where are you? Where were you when this happened? Where were you when that happened? Where are you, God? Well, he tells you where he's at. In Genesis 3.80 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve hid themselves in the garden. The reality is, is God's not hiding from us. We hide from God. We hide. Well, I'm not hiding from God. I'm here in plain sight. Are you in worship? Are you on Grumble Alley? I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I'll tell you what, the best thing to do is to get into that place of worship so that your eyes can be opened to see that God's right here. You know, there is such a thin veil between the natural world and the spiritual world. Such a thin veil. It's not even paper. It's less than paper thin. And God's right there. God's right there. Well, we've heard the expression, God for us, God with us. But the reality is, is God is also in us. You know, the more we, uh, you know, uh, God came down to Adam because he, Adam and Eve, because he wanted to be with them. Just like me, they long to be close to you. On the day that you were born, the angels got together. <laughs> yeah, just God says, I long to be with you. I long to be with you. Thank you, Jesus. So God came down in the cool of the day. Why? Because he wanted to be with them. That was a common occurrence. When we hide, when we hide, that's why Jesus said, that's what I came to seek and to save. Seek, I came to seek. Why? Because people are in hiding. I came to seek and save that which was lost. Thank you, Jesus. I love to uh, go to the Old Testament and find um, scriptures that relate to the New Covenant. And one of those is in Ezekiel 36. 
God says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. Well, you can go to Ephesians and uh, Jesus said, Paul said of Jesus that he cleansed the church with the washing of water with the word. So I will sprinkle them with clean water, or, or then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols, I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of, uh, out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. Where is God? Where is God? Oh, God, where are you? Oh, God, where are you? Oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He hasn't forsaken you. In the darkest hour, he's there. David said this, he said, though I make my bed in hell, you are there. Though I make... How, uh, David said, how can I get away from your presence? How can I? Well, I wouldn't want to. But he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes to keep my judgments and to do them. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. What then? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is with you, which you have of God, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Familiar scripture also, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Where's God? Where are you? Where are you? Somebody talk to me. Where are you? You're in Christ. Where are you? Where are you seated? Heavenly places in Christ. Where's God? He's in you. Doesn't sound like there's a lot of distance, does it? Sometimes I, uh, if I would relate my minute, if I would relate me to anybody in the Bible, I think it would be Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encourager or encourager. I want to encourage you to walk by faith in Jesus. I want to encourage you that you will walk in victory. Even in, the midst of, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of darkness, even at your lowest point, God is leading you to triumph. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I was thinking of, uh, of a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth before the service or during, during the worship service. And uh, he was riding on a train on a Sunday morning. And he always 
tried to go to church on Sunday, so his train stopped at a town. He got off the train, and he found a church and went in and sat in the back. And it happened to be a Quaker church. I don't know if you're familiar with a Quaker church, but they, they all sit there and wait for the Holy Spirit to move. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't move, they don't do anything. So Smith Wigglesworth sat there for about five minutes. He got up and he went to the front and he preached, prayed, prophesied, healed the sick. And man, they all got up and said, man, that was wonderful. How the Holy Spirit moved on you. How did, you get, how did that happen? He says, well, if the Holy Ghost don't move me, I move the Holy Ghost. Is that scriptural? Stir up the gift of God that is within you. Stir it up. Stir up the gift of God. You've got it on the inside of you. Oh, I can hardly wait to watch the TV preacher. Hey, man, what if the, what if the power gets knocked out? What if it goes off the air? What are you going to do then? I'm going to stir it up. Stir up the gift of God that is within me. Well, I'll just call Pastor Steve. What if the phones go out? Yeah, what, what if? What if? Stir it up. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. Well, my last question is, where is the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, the Pharisees came to Jesus and it says, now when, when, when he was asked by the Pharisees, where's the kingdom of God? Or when is the kingdom of God to come? And he said to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. The funny thing about that is he just healed somebody right before they asked. So they weren't aware that the kingdom was already there. So they're asking. So he said, apparently the kingdom of God for you doesn't come with observation. He goes on to say, uh, no, well, you say, see here, see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Turn to somebody and say, you got the kingdom in you. So you are a carrier of the kingdom. You are a carrier of the Spirit of God. You are infected with the love of God. You are infected with the power of God. You are, you are a carrier of the power of God. You are a carrier of the kingdom. But you can only release it when you have faith that you have that kingdom on the inside of you. I like to say it this way. You have a lightsaber coming out of your mouth. You have a lightsaber coming out of your mouth when you speak the word of God. Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. When you speak the word of God, there's a lightsaber coming out of your mouth, destroying the powers of darkness and bringing about the kingdom of God. Revelation 1.16 and he, uh, and he had, 
And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. What is that sword? That sword would be the word of God. Revelations, Revelation 2.16, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What is that sword? It is the word of God. You have, you have the power to change the atmosphere of where you're at. I've heard this story, but I've also seen it happen in my own life. And I believe it can happen in your life. Probably does. You know, you can change the atmosphere and not even be aware of it. Smith Wigglesworth was riding on a train. Somebody sat down beside him, sat there for a few minutes, and the guy stood up and said, my God, you convict me, man. He didn't say a word to him. My God, you convict me, man. You can go into a place and bring the kingdom of God. And, you know, you can even have the kingdom of God in your business and people come in. The kingdom of God is a resident within your business. You know, do some people, do some people just come in to get prayed for at your business and not shop? They come in because of the atmosphere of God's there. You know, what kind of atmosphere are you allowing in your presence? Well, if, uh, first, first Corinthians 14, 28 says this, but talks about praying in tongues. It says, if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, but let him speak to God and himself. Do you know you can go into a business? You don't just have to speak in tongues in church. You can go into a business and speak in tongues under your breath and change the atmosphere of the place that you go into. Thank you, Jesus. Well, cast... But the thing we have to do in all this is not cast away our confidence. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. What is my confidence? My confidence is where I'm at. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. My confidence is where God is. Where's God? He's in me. My confidence is, where's the kingdom? Wherever I go. Wherever you go, the kingdom goes. Because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Thank you, Jesus. Did I already say one scripture? I only got a couple more, but anyway, I'm going to be faithful to my word this morning. Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we are delighted, Lord God, that we are in Christ. We are delighted that we know where we're going. We're headed to victory. We're headed, Lord God, for your eternal kingdom. And Father, we thank you. We know where you're at, Lord God. You are with us. You never leave us nor forsake us so that we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper, we will not fear. 
And we are grateful, Lord God, that wherever we go, the kingdom of God comes with us. And Father, I thank you for right now anointing each one within the sound of my voice to release the kingdom of God in Jesus' name.